We have the wonderful privilege today of hearing from a, a pastor and a pastor's heart. Uh, some of you have had a chance to meet Dale Kiefer, Pastor Dale Kiefer. He pastored for some 42 years, the same church in Jamestown, New York. And uh, he has connections to this area. He's retired. He's moved to this area. He's become a, a good friend, uh, a colleague, someone that I've enjoyed ministering with. We've done some visits together. We've prayed together. Uh, he uh, really is a, has a servant's heart. And, he, and early on, that we just sense this of the Lord, that he would speak to us today and be God's man for that purpose today. So, Dale, welcome, and we love you. You know, I'd come here just for this worship uh, week after week. Jim, I, you know, this, this church is so fortunate to have a worship leader like, like Pastor Jim, and I hope you realize that. Thank you for your friendship. And, uh, you know, of course, he got a, per, a personality a little bit like mine. We like to laugh together, and... and uh, so we were greeting each other earlier, and and I, he said, my name is Dale, and I said, D-A-Y-L-E. I made sure it was, because it's always D-A-L-E, it's D-A-Y-L-E. Well, he says, mine is G-Y-M, Jim. <laughs> so now, now he's Jim and I'm Dale, but we think of it in different terms. Uh, so that's how that works. Can everybody hear me okay? Okay, good. Um, wanted to underline what Dan was saying uh, on whitewater rafting because, you know, we had, we had seen that and we thought, oh, my wife said, are we going to go to that? I said, I think it's for seniors in high school. And, uh, but I heard that they, he said they were going to welcome us to go. And I think uh, the ride that we're going to take is called The Last Ride, I think was the, is the name of The, the Last Ride. Uh, I'm not sure how that goes. But, uh, it's been good for us to uh, share with you. I, I came from Jamestown. Actually, I grew up in Fairview, Pennsylvania. Anybody know Fairview, Pennsylvania? Oh, there's a few Fairview folk. Not too far from Erie, Pennsylvania. Grew up on a farm. Uh, called into ministry at Camp Finley. Finley Lake, New York. Anybody know of Finley Lake, New York? Oh, a few more of you. There you go. And... Uh, was called into the ministry there, baptized in Finley Lake. Uh, we, we went, we're going to an EUB church, you know, Evangelical United Brethren Church. My dad was saved there. That's another story. And uh, then God called me into the ministry. I didn't know what ministry was. My mother was Jewish, and uh, my dad was Gentile. And, you know, you're either one or the other. You knew that, didn't you? All right. So uh, uh, anyhow, took a while for my mom to get saved. Uh, you know, us Jewish people, I, I would be considered Jewish because my mother's Jewish, you know. And uh, but uh, so I kid around a little bit about being Jewish and some real Jews tell me I'm overdoing it. So, uh, oh, well, <laughs> but uh, we while I was pastoring the church in uh, Jamestown, Fluvanna Community Church, the, uh, my wife and I started thinking in terms of, well, you know, we need to maybe look for a home somewhere down, because we lived in the parsonage, and uh, our son Kevin and his family was up here, uh, Kevin and Liz, and Jake, and uh, I've got to make sure I get all my grandkids right, and Grace, and Owen, 
were there. And my, my daughter uh, was working in uh, Rochester and decided to come to Cleveland to work. So she found a job here. So we decided, why don't we buy a house and let my daughter move in? So we bought a house down here at uh, uh, Creek Run Estates. It's down near North, uh, South Carpenter and Sleepy Hollow, right? Right in that area there. And uh, it's a nice place. Four bathrooms, three showers, you know, all that. Uh, big bedrooms and all this kind of stuff. So my daughter is uh, single. She's uh, in her late 30s. And she, when we, when we got the house, of course, we weren't there very often, so she moved into the master bedroom, you know. It's got master ba- uh, shower, two sinks, uh, just uh, walk-in closets, and, you know, all the stuff that we had, you know, dreamed of for retirement. So we retired last uh, October and really got settled in January. And I walk in the house and I say to my daughter, I said, you know, I said, you know, we're here. Uh, you know, what, what are the arrangements going to be? I was just kind of gently speaking to my only daughter. Uh, four kids, my only, the last one, my only daughter. You know, they're princesses, you know what I'm saying? Uh, somebody in our home church called her a princess, and she never forgot it after that. But anyhow, we, uh, we were there, and we were talking about what the sleeping arrangements are going to be, and she says, Dad, she said, there's three bedrooms down the hall. You can have your choice. So, you know, that's, that's how retirement's going for us. But, but actually, my wife likes it that way, you know. You want to know why? Because I have, she gave me the closet in our bedroom there, where we both are. And then she's taken the other two closets in the other part of the house. So she's real happy about all the closet space. But uh, that's how that, that went. And uh, so we're glad to be here in uh, this area. We just felt that the Lord brought us here. And, of course, come and fellowshipping here at uh, the church as often as we can. We have other obligations uh, here and there. But uh, th- this has been a great stop and a great place. And I feel honored and thankful that I could share with you today. I come to you to share with you as a pastor and um, with uh, 42 years in one church. I went to Fluvanna Church in 1976 in the in October and uh, which started the snowfall in the October and then in January some of you might remember the blizzard of 77 I don't think Cleveland was exempt from it but Buffalo and Jamestown where we were were just uh, 70 miles and, and all that area there and we got snowed in and everything and all, all people died and all that kind of stuff and people were going around walking around with t-shirts I survived you know and then you know they, they filled in the blank you know one, I survived the blizzard of 77 and then I'd see over the year I survived this and I survived that and uh, so I got this idea that I was going to get a t-shirt and wear I survived one church for 42 years. (laughs) Why? Because, you know, wherever I would go, they would say, 42 years? In one church? Uh, You know, that's, hearing that for some people is like, you're married for 42 years? (laughs) Uh, And most of us that have been married that long, oh, 
seems like yesterday, you know. But uh, we received that call, and uh, I was 27 years old when I started in ministry. That's how young I am, you know. And, uh, and, and as a full-time pastor. And uh, so I come to you today with, with a word from the Lord. While, while I was here, we got settled. And uh, you were in the process here in January and February of selecting a pastor, weren't you? Going through all of that and having all these meetings. So I said to myself, I'm going to go to those meetings. And I'm going to find out what's cooking. You know. Now, how bad is that, that a pastor retiring from meetings wants to go to a church meeting? I said, what am I, sick? You know? And, uh, but I would come and I, I, I would listen. And I, I would hear you all talk. And I, I'd hear different things that were shared and opportunities that were given and all of that. And in the, in the midst of all of this, and as the decisions were being made, the Holy Spirit gave me a word way back in February and I thought to myself, when am I ever going to deliver this? Uh, Lord, why, why are you giving this to me? And let me give you, guess what the word was? It's up there on the screen. Consider yourselves pruned. Did you notice my decoration? Some of you say, well, what's that thing? Not now you're wondering what this is, right? Just in case any of you want to disagree with me after my message, I'll have this come up and see me, okay? And uh, you point a, you point a finger at me. It might be gone. You know that you know that would be a good theme for the church here. You point a finger at the next pastor. There you go, right there. Uh, but I do. I come. Thank you. I come with the pastor's heart and. Uh, I also didn't come to mince words. Okay? And uh, I can do that because uh, the meeting of the elders will take place afterward and they throw me out. Well, there I go, you know. But, but, but actually, I, I want to tell you, do you know how freeing it is to, uh, I pastored an independent church. We didn't have denominational connections. Do you know how freeing it is to be able to say I can stand in this pulpit and preach what thus says the Lord and if they don't like it too bad and I, not, not that I don't care people would either correct me or ask me questions or that kind of thing but it's very freeing to say what thus says the Lord and, um, and I know that that's being done here and I've heard some uh, great messages and it's a privilege for me to sit. So we're getting to know each other. I've, you might say, I've been here for five months or six. And you say, where have you been? Well, we first service over on that side. I said to my wife the other day, I said, we got to go over to some of these other sides and sit around and meet some of these people. And my wife's a little bit more, wants to, you know, kind of stay, stay where the seat. You, you all aren't sitting in the seat that you always sit in, are you? Don't answer that. Yeah, right, right. Well, may I suggest once in a while, uh, move somewhere else and sit with somebody else. I, I didn't say this guy. How much time do I got? I can go all day here, can I? I, I, I got to tell you, my wife and I, in this retirement, we go to other, we, we've been to other churches going here and there, visiting our kids and grandkids in Cortland, New York, and uh, you know other places that we go. And... Uh, We'll go to churches, and, and we've gone to some big churches. My son goes to a, 
humongous church north of Tampa. And I said to my wife, I said, let's just go into church and we're just going to be lay people. I had my Bible with me. I covered up the rev that's on the front of it, you know. And uh, so we walk in and I said, let's just see how we're treated. And, and we were welcomed at the doors. You know, and everybody welcome here, you know, pass the bulletin and, you know, welcome, you know, and so on. And we'd go into church and then uh, you know, partake, but nobody would talk to us. I remember they had the, we'd go to churches and they said, well, we got donuts and coffee and all this. So we'd go to the donuts and coffee. My wife and I, we're strangers. We're standing there, we're eating, you know, right near everybody and we're just chomping away. And every, uh, for those of you that, ladies, you don't know how men are. Here's, here's how men greet each other. Have you ever seen the man greeting? You know, you know, you're walking along, you see another man, and he goes, you know. I mean, that's the greetings that, and we'd get guys, that, and I'd, you know, jerk my head also, you know. I was going to go, no, you know, like that. Well, anyhow, uh, you know, as a pastor, I can come in, and you, you are, I want to say you're a very friendly church. You're very friendly. But you could be more friendly. And by that, I mean, you know, if, if when, what the Lord is going to be doing, what we're going to talk about today, what the Lord's going to be doing and bringing people here to the congregation, bless you, uh, and, and me also, all right, all right, and uh, going to be bringing new people. You folks need to say, if you see somebody that you don't know, attack them. <laughs> no. I mean, go up to them, ask them their name, and where, where are you? What brings you here? Is there anything we can do for you? Connect. You know, I, I've been to church. I mean, you know, listen, that's the big word. It's, okay. it's called the connect. Well, connect. You know, do it. And uh, ask people what, you know, what's going on in their life and, and all those things. Invite them over and take, you know, and, and, and I'll, I'll tell you what. You'll, you'll secure things like, like never before. That's just a little admonition. That wasn't even part of the first service, was it? I just threw that in. All right. Here we are today. Consider yourself pruned. What's the scripture up there? John 15, verse 1. Let's take a moment and look at it. It's up there on the screen. Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Now let's just stop there for a moment and uh, realize that this is Jesus that's talking. Jesus is wrapping up his ministry. Do you realize that the, the Gospel of John, much of it is really the last tail end of it? I mean, the, uh, chapter 11, you know, on, he's uh, wrapping things up. So John just kind of cherry picks some beautiful stories. Uh, John is such a great book. But, but he's, he's wrapping up his ministry. He's, he's heading out maybe to the uh, Mount of Olives to pray. He, he's, he's on this journey. His disciples are with him. And they go through a gate called the Beautiful Gate. The gate of the temple. And there was a golden vine. I can imagine Jesus stopping there realizing the end was coming near and he drew attention to that over the door and he said I am the true vine that was earth shaking every Hebrew person knew 
that the vine was one of the symbols of the state of Israel. There's a little picture of a possible idea right there up on the screen. Could you imagine standing with Jesus and he says, I am the true vine. Now notice that Jesus in the Greek construction is, it reads, I am the vine. It makes the vine very, it's the word ha. I am the vine, ha, the true vine. He makes that a strong emphasis. Now, if Jesus said he was a true vine, what is he implying? There is a false vine. Okay? I am the true vine. There is a false vine. And do you know what that false vine was? What he was referring to is the nation of Israel itself. It had become false. I'm going to show you some more of this in just a moment. I want to prove what I'm telling you. But we need to go on. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Did you see that? I want you to know that our Savior is very serious about this. I ask you, are you bearing fruit? Today this message has twofold. My message to you that the Lord has given me is to you as an individual. We're going to talk about pruning. You as an individual, but also as a corporate body. Notice that Jesus is the vine. He gave up on the, hey, I'm the vine. I'm taking this over. But you are the branches. You, you and me, we abide together. Without me, you can do nothing. We are in each other. Listen, I do not believe in replacement theology. I do not believe that the church replaces Israel. I believe that God's going to bring Israel back. Can I hear an amen, somebody? Israel has been, my people, has been put on a shelf. God said enough. I will bring up a nation. Jesus said it. When he talked about a parable of the vine, he said, it will be taken from you to the Israelites who is speaking to them. It will be taken from you and given to another. And that is you and me. We are now the vine. And listen, God is interested in the fruit that you are bearing or the lack thereof. So then he says that every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. Now, would you stop and say, what are you, it's bearing fruit. What are you pruning it for? What does it say? That it may bear more fruit. Would you agree with me that God is interested in more fruit? Amen. Amen. He used another word, much fruit. Uh, I went through this passage three or four times. He mentions more fruit, much fruit. God is a fruit inspector. He's checking out the fruit that, that is being born in your life. And we're going to talk about a little bit about what that fruit is in a little bit. We'll get to that. So the national symbol of the vine is very much like 
the United States than our national symbol, the eagle. Right? Uh, when, when you think about the eagle, and, and somewhere down the line, the, the eagle was made the national symbol in 1782. That was before some of you were born. <laughs> the national, what, what does an eagle represent? Strength and freedom and I mean, just, I mean there, there are just many connections that we can make about the majestic. Do you know that the eagle was near extinction back in the 60s when I was a kid? I remember Lady Bird Johnson, uh, Clean Up America. How many of you, I'm, you're going you're gonna to date yourself. I remember Clean Up America. And uh, I, I mean, I remember driving on, don't say this, folks. I remember driving, we'd throw trash out the window. Just watch it, whoo, watch it fly. I mean, the, the roads were strewn with garbage. I don't remember, you know. And it was clean. And one of the things that they used, I remember this as a young person, is an eagle with a tear in its eye. I, uh, now I'm like, oh, man. They took the national symbol and connected it to us and said, this is, this is your nation. Don't trash it. You know, that was the, and you know what? Pretty good. I mean, you know, it's, I can tell you, if you think there's trash along the road now, there was a ton of that, but it, clean up America. But so, so the national symbol of the vine is ever before every Hebrew mind. Now, let's go, if you will, follow with me to Isaiah. It will be up on the screen if you don't have your Bible. Uh, in Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah uh, prophesied this to the nation of Israel. Uh, I'll, I'll read it off the screen here. Now let me sing to my well-beloved a song of my beloved regarding his vineyard. My well-beloved has a vineyard on a very fruitful hill. Amen? Jerusalem. Israel. He dug it up, cleared out its stones, planted it with the choicest vine. He built a tower in its midst and also made a wine press in it. Oh, there's just so much in this, beloved. Oh, we could just share with you the, the new wine of the Holy Spirit. Mm. But anyhow, so he expected it to bring forth good grapes. But it brought forth wild grapes. And now, O oh, inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge please between me and my vineyard. What more could have been done to my vineyard than I have not done in it? Why then, when I expected it to bring forth good grapes, it did bring forth wild grapes? I expected this. And now, please, let me tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will take away its hedge. A hedge is... It's protection. God said, I will withdraw my protective hand. And it shall be burned. Do you know that when Nebuchadnezzar came in, he destroyed Jerusalem. 
He says, I will break down its wall and it shall be trampled down. I will lay it waste. It shall not be pruned or dug. It shall not be pruned. But there shall come up briars and thorns. And I will command the clouds that they rain no rain on it. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel. And the men of Judah are his pleasant plant. He looked for justice, but behold oppression. For righteousness, but behold a cry for help. So this vine is a symbol of Israel. Do you have Jeremiah for me? The next one. Look at this, Jer Isaiah, then Jeremiah. One verse. Yet I had planted you a noble vine, a seed of highest quality. How then have you turned before me into the degenerate plant of an alien vine? That's what Jeremiah said to the nation of Israel. The Psalm 80. You have that one. Uh, look, look at this psalm. Read Psalm 80. What a psalm of revival. You have brought a vine out of Egypt. Do you know that when the children of Israel left Egypt, it was like a vine. God took a vine. He said, you have cast out the nations and planted it. Remember when they came into Israel, what did they do with all the inhabitants? They got rid of them. You pre prepared room for it and caused it to take deep root and it filled the land. The hills were covered with its shadow and the mighty cedars with its boughs. She sent out her boughs to the sea and her branches to the river. Why have you broken down her hedges so that all who pass by the way pluck her fruit? The boar, the pig out of the woods uproots it and the wild beast of the field devours it. Return, we beseech you, O God of hosts. Look down from heaven and see and visit this vine. What did Jesus do? He came and visited the vine. A personal visit from him. And it's a cry, oh God, do something with this vine. That's why I'm saying to you, beloved, that someday God's going to restore Israel. They will look upon him when he returns. They will look upon him whom they have pierced. And they will weep and wail because of him. That's called restoration. And so, God calls his vineyard, but it wouldn't obey. And so, he set him aside and he says, okay, I'm turning it over to you folks. So how you doing? Are you doing all right with that vineyard? I got to tell you, I'll jump to this one. I, got, I, I had an apple tree in, at the parsonage. My son Kevin bought it. It was just a little strapling. Not only him, but the, the apple tree. And uh, it was just a little tiny thing. We planted it in the yard. And uh, a couple years went by. It got a little bigger and a little bigger. And one year, I got a few blossoms on it and I had a few apples. I said, cool. Probably about five or six apples. We ate them. And, uh, you know, the next couple years... Pretty soon, the, the tree was loaded with apples. Uh, they, they were green delicious. 
And, and, and so we had so many apples that year that I said to my wife, I said, I'm going to take these. So we got, I picked bushels of apples. I took them to the church. And I said, I'm going to let the people of the church have them. And I put on there, free. If you know a good Jew, uh, you know, free for me is a good deal. You know, uh, free. So I put these apples out and I was all excited about it. And so we had two church services. At the end of the second service, I was going, most of the apples were still on the table. I said, do people not understand free? Well, there's a gentleman in the church, Bob, his name was, and, and he raised apples on the side. He, he actually, he was... He was a mail carrier. He retired and he raises apples and sells them and they take trips and all this. And uh, I went to him and I said, hey, Bob. I said, how come nobody's eating my, taking out my apples? He says, well, who'd want them? <laughs> now, Bob's, he's blunter than this trimmer here. I mean, he's, he cut to the quick. And Bob says, well, who'd want them? I said, well, they're free. He says, I don't care if they're free. Look how terrible they look. Listen. Beloved, people see fruit. Well, anyhow, so I said, Bob, or, or no, he, he said to me, he says, Dale, he says, do you know why your apples are black? I mean, they, they look, I thought they were just a little moldy. <laughs> I didn't know. <laughs> And uh, so we're uh, chatting, and he says, he says, I will tell you why your apples are black, but I don't think you want to hear it. I said, all right, come on, just give me it. Well, he said, aphids love apple trees. He says, you can't hardly see, aphids are real tiny. Now, here's what he said to me. I'm going to say this nicely because we're in church. He said, the aphids are using your apples for a toilet. That was a nice way that he said it. <laughs> uh, I said, so that's uh, aphid uh, dung. How many like King James word? That good? <laughs> I didn't say poop. <laughs> the aphids are using your apples for a toilet. That dirty devil. And uh, he said, by the way, he said, when was the last time you pruned this apple tree? I went, last time? I said, by that time it was probably nine or ten years old. I said, I've never pruned it. And beloved, I mean, I'm the pastor. I'm supposed to be handing out the rebukes. If you know what I mean. And I said, Bob, would you help me? Now, Jimmy used this nasty word. He says, so you want to be my disciple? <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? I said, yes, I do. Will you teach me? So he came that next spring and began to prune my apple tree. I liked it that way because he did most of the work. I kept asking questions, you know. He came with a saw and a big thing, and he started ripping 
on that tree. I got emotionally, please excuse me for getting attached to my apple tree. I got emotionally attached. I said, what are you doing? I'm pruning your tree. I said, the saw? I said, I thought he was going to cut the thing down. <laughs> whack, whack, whack. Chop, chop, chop. And I said, stop. And he looked at me and he said, who the boss here? <laughs> you are. All right, then let me do what I got to do. I'll teach you. And so, so, beloved, we went through this pruning process. And that thing looked like it had gone from a 600-pound <laughs> on TV <laughs> to a little slim. <laughs> Taught me things about what pruning was all about. And the next year, or that was in spring, and then it started to blow. I said, oh, great. Can't wait for fall. 45 apples. I counted them. I'd go through the tree. There's one. And I, I, and I, I was going to go say, hey, Bob, only 45. These little, the little shavers that are starting out, you know. And, I mean, I, I was spraying the tree and all that stuff for the aphids. And, uh, but those 45 apples, when they were done, you know how big they were? They were like that. He said, Dale... Before all of the juice was going to the limbs. And none, few was going to the fruit. Listen, beloved, we in church, sometimes we come to church and we say, oh, this is about me. It's not about you. Well, they, they didn't do this, or they, I didn't like that song, or, or uh, this. Uh, listen, God's calling us to bear fruit. And we get so much self involved. I am as guilty as anyone. And God has to take this pincher here and start chopping away. And some of the stuff that you're going through, we can blame it on the devil all we want, but sometimes it's God who's getting into your life and saying, this has got to go. And I don't know what it is. For each one of you. It's different for all of us. But God knows what's going on in your life. He's in charge. And he will chop out what he thinks is offensive to him and not bearing fruit in your life. He'll do it. The year after I had my 45 apples, the tree was bent to the ground. The limbs were dropped out. I, I mean, I had so many apples. I, I am here to tell you, I couldn't, they were just loaded, big. I said, Bob, what happened? He said, well, we pruned the tree and sometimes the tree was so stressed. He, he told me that an apple tree gets stressed. Hey, does that make some of you feel good today? <laughs> hey, my apple tree got stressed out. He said that happens to fruit trees. And he said it was a good year. It was nice, you know, warm, cozy and all that spring. And so you know what I did? I started taking, listen, all of those. I said, I don't know what to do with them. I took them to my neighbors. Lived in the neighborhood. 
I got to tell you about the guy across the street who'd moved in a year before. He and his wife moved in, and I went over all happy to meet him. And I said, I'm the pastor. I came over to see you. I don't neighbor. I, what? I mean, he was that bold. I don't, in other words, I don't neighbor, and I don't really want to see you anymore. Found out he was, you know, had very little interest in Christianity. Well, I took over a big bag of apples. Just, just knocked on the door, and I said, here, I'd like you to have these, and I walked away. I said, bless you. A year later, his brother died. Young man. I heard a knock at the church office door. It was him. He said, Pastor Dale, my brother died. Would you do his funeral? I'm there going, hey. Now, don't get worked up about pastors getting happy with funerals, okay? I mean... They are good things to glorify God. Linda had a great time with, at that funeral, didn't she? Told me today about her mom praying. The last, the last, was that, you mentioned that, right? I think you mentioned the last. I don't know if I told him that she was kneeling. Okay. That, yeah. Uh, her mom was either trying to kneel or was kneeling by the bed before she died. I said, Linda, what did that do for you? And she said, you don't know what that did for me. I mean, I, I mean, her mother, but I mean, there was joy in her heart. Sadness, but joy. So he comes over and he knocks on the door. I said, sure. He says, now listen, could we have the funeral in the sanctuary? <laughs> it's like, when do people who don't believe in God want to have a church funeral? We welcomed him in. We had a family meeting before that time, you know, to discuss the funeral. And all his family came, and he said, this is the pastor that brought the apples to me. I had no idea that that fruit would have, I mean, something almost as insignificant as dropping a basket off that God used in ways that I couldn't imagine. And so, God wants to bear fruit. He wants to use you as an individual and as a church. Now, let's describe for a few moments what fruit is. May I say, first of all, bearing fruit is he that wins or she that wins souls is wise. So, Bearing fruit is having spiritual children. That's one type of fruit. The other type of fruit, brother, that we're going to put up on the screen has to do with the scriptures from the uh, book of Galatians. And uh, it's called the fruit of the Spirit. Okay, do you have that for me? In Galatians chapter 5, 22 and 23, we're going to go over this together. And talk about these things in your life and in the life of this church. The fruit of the Spirit is, let's all say it together. What's the first one? Love. Love is agape. Agapao is the Hebrew or Greek word, the verb. Uh, agape is the noun. Uh, sacrificial love. Love is sacrificial, brothers and sisters. 
It's not an itch on your heart that you can't scratch. It's sacrifice. God so loved, he sacrificed his son. The next one is, everybody say it. Hey, you know what joy is? Joy isn't happiness. Happiness depends on happenings. Joy depends on the Holy Ghost coming into your life and giving you joy. Joy that is with you even in hard times. How about the next one? Peace. The peace of God that passes all understanding will keep your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. There's some Christians, we ought to exhibit peace. People ought to look at you and say, Why? how can you stand in this storm that you're going through? The peace of God rests on me. Next one. Long suffering. This isn't of uh, a teaching on have, how to deal with a bad marriage. No, long suffering. It's suffering long. It's enduring through trials and testings. The next one. Everybody say it. Kindness. kindness. Are you kind? Do people see kindness in your grouch? Next one. Goodness. goodness. Doing good things. Very simple. Just do good things. Next one. Faithfulness. Faithful to God. He's been faithful to you. Be faithful to him. Next one. Gentleness. And the last one. Self-control. Nine. Isn't it interesting that the nine fruit of the Spirit goes along with nine gifts of the Holy Spirit that are mentioned in Corinthians? Just a thought. All right, well, I want to wrap this up. <laughs> Jim's uh, wondering, how long is this guy going to go today? <laughs> You know, they're paying me big dollars for this. No, no. No, I'm just kidding. I could tell you story after story, but I want to tell you about my favorite parishioner of the 42 years. And I had a lot of prize saints that I, if I start to think about it, I'd, I'd drop weeping in front of you. But I want to tell you about Alma. Alma, when I came to the church, I was a young man. Alma's husband was blind. She had to cart him here and there and do things with him. And uh, in his blindness, I will say at that time, he was a little cantankerous. Let me rephrase that. A lot of cantankerous. But Alma was like, I'd go, I'd go Alma, you, I mean, you're just amazing to watch. Deal with your husband. She'd drop him off at the local fire hall and they'd, he'd be there all day long and pick him up. And One day, her husband Roger was in the hospital, got sick. And I went to see Roger. And he gave his heart to Jesus. I knew he saw it in his wife. Well, Alma was a very meek, kind, good, faithful. Everything that's on that list was her. But she could never compliment her. I'd say, Alma, you're, you're such a wonderful saint. I love you. Oh, I'm not that good. Oh, Pastor. She came to me one day. She said, Pastor, you told me I was good. I was up all night thinking how terrible I am. I can't believe that you'd think that about me. I'd say, Alma. She lost sleep over it. 
Well, Alma had an eye for need. And there was a lady in our church who had multiple sclerosis, MS, was wheelchair bound. They lived in a trailer in a trailer park. And I would go up to visit her. This lady's name was Sally. So one day I went up and to knock on, I knocked on the door and there was that little window, you know, in those little mobile homes, just a little window in the front door. Usually Sally would say, come in. And I just kind of rapped quietly. This time, no, come in. And I looked in the window and there was Alma on her hands and knees with a bucket and a brush, hand brushing the floor. I looked in there, I, I was shocked. I was like, I can't let her know I saw this. I can't let her know. And so I left. And I never said anything to her until her funeral. When I told the story of Alma Phillips on her hands and knees serving Jesus. You know that lady that, you know, I told you that her Sally, it was her husband who died and her brother is the one who called me. The connection of this little now widowed lady serving Jesus, the fruit just hung off from her little skinny pretzel body. a powerful witness for Christ. I ask you today, are you bearing fruit? Pastor Sean is going to come here in three weeks. Close to my right. About three weeks. You know what he needs to come and see? He needs to come and see some people who have been pruned. Amen. Amen. Listen, I'm a pastor, I know. There's been more stuff flying around, either from within and without, about all that happened in the past. And I want to declare to you today, and if you'd put that last screen up there, brother, one that we started with. No, the other, the, there you go. Everybody say it with me. Consider yourselves pruned. Now I'm going to be hanging around here as the Lord enables me. And listen, Pastor Sean, I, I, I've, I've never talked to him. I saw him here. But uh, there were so many of you around him, I didn't get a chance. That was okay. He doesn't need to come to a church. It's got all kinds of branches on it. He needs to come to a lean church that's ready to say, we're here to serve. So I want to declare to you as a visiting pastor today that all that's happened in these last years is over. Amen. <laughs> Wrap it up and burn it. Don't drag it in here. 
doesn't belong in here. You know, you, you want to know how to get a young pastor to die of a heart attack? Just tell him, well, Pastor, what is there I can do for you? And he'll fall right over on the ground. <laughs> what can we do? If you've got a, a bone to pick about somebody or something that happened, the way the elders did this or that or the choice, whatever. I heard some of it. Either deal with it or, you know, whatever you got to do. But get it done. And come in here because, listen, you're going to bear much fruit. You want to know why I know that? Because this is a praying church. I've been at your prayer meetings. I've been at the gatherings of prayer. I love to go to them. I, I really, we, we had a praying church. This is a equal to church I came from. Prayer warriors in this. Bless you. Cry out to God. He's already heard you. But just come. Know that the Lord God Almighty has done this. Whoever has been here, whoever left, whoever went, let it be. That's God's business. Can I hear an amen? It's God's business. It's not your business. Your business is to bear much fruit. Amen? Jim, we're ready to go. Father, we thank you. As the worship team comes, we're ready, Lord, to just say, it hurts. It hurts for you to cut into our life. Beloved, with your heads bowed, where I come from in the greater Erie and out toward Buffalo, what we call Westfield, it's Welch's grape country. You can smell the grapes when you drive by. If you've ever been out there, you get off the beaten path of 90 and get on the side roads, you'll see miles and miles of grape vineyards. Every one of them pruned every year. Do you know if they don't prune those vines, they won't get grapes. They won't get luscious grapes. But you see, God's interested in bearing much fruit in your life, in the life of this church. You see, you cannot divorce your individual life from the life of this church. What happens to you individually affects the whole body. And that's a whole nother sermon. And so maybe there's business that's taking place right now. Maybe the Holy Spirit's working in you and you're here this morning and the Holy Spirit, I, you know, he's in charge. He's got his finger on something that's going on in your life and he's, he's saying, you've neglected this. This has become more important than me. And God's going to just, because God, God doesn't take second place. He doesn't want second. He's got to be willing to say, God, do what you got to do. The song, have, have Your Own Way. 
really expresses that. Have your way, Lord, not my way. And I submit myself to you. So I invite you to stand as we sing. front just make that stand you know I I believe in altar calls I think they're I've been to many of them I've gone many times sometimes it's just and you don't have to but maybe there's just a, some of you that just say I just want to come for prayer I just have a, something that I need to pray about or here at the church any of you the leadership of the church uh, I'd certainly invite you to come because I'd like to just pray over you as leaders been through a lot God's ready to bless you but if the Holy Spirit speaking you want to just slip out of that seat you just feel free to come as we sing while I am waiting yielded and still you come as we sing together today. 